Hello there and welcome back to the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. This is Canon Catch-Up and today we're going to be talking about Darth Vader 2015 Volume 2, Shadows and Secrets. And to talk about that, it is myself, Dan, and my usual partner in crime, Chris. How you doing? I'm alright, mate. Not even going to bother introducing us. It's Dan and Chris. Dan and Chris, isn't it? That's what you get. Um, Right, so today... We're talking about Darth Vader Volume 2. Um, this trade paperback collects issues 7 to 12 of the original Darth Vader series, uh, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Salvador La Roca. Uh, this trade paperback came out on the 5th of January 2016, and the issues published and the issues collected were published from July to November of 2015. And in this second volume, we see Vader's story to continue to expand. He's sort of still trying to get more information on this mysterious son that he now has. He's got Afra doing all sorts of behind the Empire's backs heists and crimes for him. And he's got a new Sherlock Holmesy investigator on his tail trying to see if Vader's up to no good. Um, that about sums it up, right, Chris? Yeah, pretty much for this arc. Yeah, for this arc at least. I think it, this one does have a little bit more of those little um, Palpatine squads mm-hmm. of rejects. It has a bit more of them. Yeah, the twins the and twins. the Mon Calamari make a bit of a feature in this one. Yeah, and then that weird, like... There's that one with the like mechanical eyes. It reminds me of Doc Ock from Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the yeah, female the, Doc Ock. I can't remember what his name is, but the sort of... No, the, no, Mr. the woman Mr. one. Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. Mrs. Robot. Mrs. Robot, yeah, that's the name. Clever. <laughs> Mrs. Robot. Um, so, just top level thoughts. Did you do you like this second volume? Yeah, I love this one. Um, I think it's, and I know you disagree with this, Dan, because we just spoke a second ago. I think this is possibly the strongest part of Gillen's whole arc. Because obviously volume one is memorable because it has that amazing like Skywalker moment and it has the introduction of Afro and BT1 and all that. Um but this feels like the it has more direction. So this is why I love Gillen's Vader. This is why I love Gillen generally, because he he focuses on smart questions to be asking at this point. So he's taking a look at where Vader is in his life now. He's taking a look at what's happened, what he's just found out, and then the natural progression of where he'd go from there. So obviously this focuses on Vader trying to find out to confirm that Luke's his son, how it happened, what happened, and all that, which that's exactly what he do in this situation. Um, and I love that because obviously, we've, if you've listened to us before, you've we've heard us criticise Greg Pax Vader because he's not doing what you'd expect Vader to be doing at this point, at that point in his life. You know, mere days, weeks before Return of the Jedi and his redemption. This is a much smarter, more intelligent, more measured look at Darth Vader. And it's a lot more fun as well, because this is the first time you really get to see Afra being Afra, doing Afra-y things. Um, and it's a blast. It's an absolute blast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think maybe the reason... I disagree isn't necessarily a knock on the trade paperback. I just, the the issues in my mind that shine, or the, the moments in my mind that shine the most in 
Kieran Gillen's 25 issue Vader run come from the other three trade paperbacks. And like the Show Turin War, which is volume three, which we'll get to next, I absolutely love. Um, the sort of finale with Afra at the end of the series really sticks in my mind. And obviously, you were talking about the sort of iconic sort of Skywalker bit from the first volume. So I sort of even though I really like this volume, I think it might be my least favourite of the four, but that doesn't mean I don't like it. I do still love this. This entire Gillen series is consistently excellent. Um, I think this bit, this vault trade paperback might just have the least memorable moments, but if you're actually judging it on the way it progresses Vader's character, Aphra's character, and the overall sort of story of the period, I think it's probably one of the more successful ones. I mean, if you're talking about landmark memorable moments, then you can't get more memorable than when he makes Afro go to the the doctor. Yeah, the mortician. On the the mortician that got Padme's body and yeah. that whole thing. That's super memorable. That's so memorable. That made it into the Doctor Afro book and audio drama. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole bit did. And that's and like, you learn a lot about Afro in that moment. Yeah, 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 about, because she talks about her parents, doesn't she? She talks about her parents, but then you see like what her limits are and what her character yeah. is. Is she a bad guy? Is she a good guy? Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of learn more about her now. Obviously, Afra's moved on a lot since then. Yeah. She's mainly just banging chicks at this point. But <laughs> back then, you know, you, you're getting to know her a bit. Um, so that always stuck in my mind, that moment did. But she get like crazy BT1 and um, triple, triple zero, zero moments. Nuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not only that, like the whole arc with the the investigator that's following. Is it Thanath? Is it Thanath? Thanath. Is that his name? Yeah, that always stuck in my mind the way he plays him because that is a direct play and it's almost the start of that thing we were talking about that Vader always has to have some kind of like sidekick, some kind of shadow. Like you think, oh Vader, he's a Dark Lord sideshow figure, but he never is. He's all he always collects people to go with him no matter what. Yeah, like he needs company, which is the opposite of what you'd expect from. The scariest person in the galaxy i think i think it's it works on two levels i think one exactly what you were saying about his character but i also think it's just from a writing point of view that vader is such a silent character he's such a quiet doesn't speak much character that mm-hmm. to make a story of darth vader work you kind of need someone there to progress the story yeah having the likes of afra and this detective Thanath and And that fucking um, weird droid thing in Greg Pax. Yeah, and Ochi of Bestoon and Greg Pax. It it does They're always chatty lot, characters, aren't they? Yeah, it does a lot of like the heavy lifting where Vader is silent. The one series I actually think that does a pretty consistent job of not really having to use other characters to carry Vader is Charles Soul's Vader. But even when you look at that um, you know, you've got the the characters on Mon Cala who are quite talky with vader you've obviously got like the inquisitors and moment moment so, so you do sort of always have that dynamic in the comics and i think it's it works i think it vader. just happens i think saul's writing is potentially and this is not a slight on any of the writers apart from Greg Pack. um i think saul's writing is potentially a little bit more intelligent like he builds the situations and he builds it around the people and then it shows it from their perspective and then and then he injects vader into that yeah yeah. So with Souls, you've got like you've got the whole Chan of Cha family, that whole thing. You've got the Inquisitors. You see them. You see the Jocasta New situation. You see the all that, and then, and then he puts Vader into it. So you get the context from the actual 
from the environment and storytelling for environment and all that. Whereas Gillen's Vader and Pax Vader just tends to use these chatty characters to dump exposition on you. Which, is... which Gillen does very, very well. I mean, yeah, that that necessity gave us Aphra, one of the best Star Wars characters ever. Yeah. And I think this this sort of antagonistic detective, I mean, he's a bit like a Sherlock Holmes, a bit like a Moriarty sort of character, where he's always investigating. And mm-hmm. he's sort of in this volume, he's playing it that he hasn't quite yet caught on to Vader. But I think we're supposed to read that he is on, on to Vader. Um, and what Vader's essentially doing, if you're listening to this podcast without having read this volume, is that... Vader is trying to sort of secure his own position, secure his own power away from the eyes of the Emperor and from this Grand ten, grand General Targ, his new position. And Vader's obviously trying to do all of this, um, you know, behind the back. So we see Vader heading off to Tatooine to investigate Luke. We see Vader sending Aphra to Naboo to investigate Padme's death. We see Vader getting Aphra to get a bounty hunter squad together, Bosk appearance, um, yeah, to, to rob an Imperial credit shipment so he can use the credits for his own need and then spend those credits to try and find out where Luke's going to be next, which is Rogus Vass, which is where the Vader down crossover happens. So he's sort of going behind the scenes of the Empire trying to do all this stuff and against him is you know this investigator these weird cyborg crew twins i mean right at the end of this issue we see that the mon calamari jedi robot person has sort of been bugging vader and he's following him to Vogus fast to sort of interrupt him um so Gillen does a really good job in this volume in particular of laying down loads of different seeds about what Vader's up to. And they do pay off brilliantly by the end of the se- by the end of the series. I will say that much. Yeah. Um another intelligent thing is as well, like based because of like what you're saying about he's creating this uh he's trying to secure his position and have a backup plan because he's not necessarily trusting his relationship with the Emperor now. Um, it's it's obviously because obviously you got to think this takes place just after a new hope when yep. Vader lost and because if he failed to save the Death Star and his position is weakened um, and it's really like it's really intelligent storytelling because it would be so easy to just have a Vader kicking ass series mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it isn't that this is Vader on the back foot yeah yeah you know um, and that is a really intelligent way of doing it and this carries that on really well you get to see his him him trying to maintain his position while also create his own machinations about what to do and then his relationship with Aphra is growing now to the point where almost affection at this point yeah um, there's like a reluctant is, affection there yeah <clears throat> yeah uh, and I mean this is essentially the breaking point this though isn't it this is where it starts to go downhill after this yeah um, but I'll say this is when I close this because you have that really cool moment where Aphra is on that space station casino type place and for the information broker yeah the anti his name yeah. is the information broker yeah and that's a really really cool character actually i really like that whole scene and then yeah when all that all goes to shit and the sort of afro and vader dynamic during that he's pissed because he's pissed but he she's there for him 
mm-hmm. but isn't. So there's this like he's she's secretly working for him, but he can't reveal that, so he has to go and bust it over. It's really good. And she, I mean, what Afra does at the end of this volume essentially is blackmail Vader into keeping her alive by saying, I know where Luke Skywalker is, but I'm not going to tell you at the moment. That's the most Afra thing ever. Which is the most Afra thing ever. And then Vader obviously eventually tracks her down and she gives up that information. She's like, look, hey boss, I work for you. I'm happy to work for you, but we got to come to an agreement where you're not just going to chef me up every time you get pissed off. So it's like a really interesting dynamic and it's 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 clearly something that vader's never had to deal with before no being on the back foot and having to rely upon some you know in his mind pathetic humans sort of help him um and i think that's what gillen does so well i mean i was going to ask like in terms of this being after new hope um, and after the first volume of the series which obviously addresses the big luke skywalker reveal I mean, how do you think, I mean, you sort of started to get into it, but how do you think this is sort of dealing with Vader's character at this time, and particularly this development of him trying to find out more about Luke, because he's obsessed with it at this point. Yeah, it handles it perfectly. That's, I think, the biggest strength of this. Because he's still Vader, but he's trying to create keep that balance of, you know, feeding into this obsession that he has while trying to maintain his position within the Empire and with the Emperor. So he's he's stretched thin mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he can't he can't contain this obsession, um, and you know, like I said, it's that moment where he starts to delve into the past and Padme and what happened. If if you look at it from like a prequel fan eyes, um, it really adds connective tissue to those two trilogies that I don't think anything else has really successfully. Because in my mind, those two trilogies are so dis so so distant from each other and they never really thematically gel well you know the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy but it's moments like this where through character it's handled well and through um the sort of emotional narrative yeah that really connect those dots in a more believable way than any of the tv shows or movies have anything like kenobi that like is about as subtle as a hammer you know, um, <laughs> does it? You know, it's it's way more successful, and that's one of the, that's one of the the really successful things about these comics is they they're just threads that connect all the bigger pieces together in such a wonderful way, um, and this is one of the strong ones for it, I think. Yeah, personally, yeah. no, I absolutely agree. I think I think like what Gillen does so well here, and what he then goes on to do incredibly well in his chunk of the Star Wars run as well. Oh yeah, amazing! Really connect everything. Like I mean, he does it with Rogue One in the Star Wars, and you know, in the Star Wars comics. But here is like, as you said, it's connecting the, the 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 Vader life story, but in a much more subtle way. Than, it's more natural. Yeah, because I mean, I know we keep on going about Greg Pak, and I apologize, but it the his series relies quite heavily on flashbacks. This volume does not have a single flashback, but we know that Vader finding out 100% confirmation that this kid came from Padme, like hurts him. But yeah, we don't need to see that because we just, we just, we just see Vader standing there and that's That's enough. Way more natural and emotional than say the handmaidens from Greg Pax Vader, which seemingly coming out of nowhere for fan service 
Whereas this gives us fan service, but it's necessary because of where the plot is. It's natural because he just found out that Luke Skywalker, of course, he's going to go back. Of course, he's going to look into Padme. Of course, he's going to find out some new things based on the fact that he's just found out that he's got a son. Whereas Greg Pak's one, which is what set uh, one, two, well, f- three or four years after this, um, the Handmaidens just rock up out of nowhere after 25 years. And then we get like, oh, there's the the monster from episode one there's a thing it's just fan service fan service sake this is way more way more natural and it's way more effective because of it um so something that we've talked about the, the last time around was the art and you're not the biggest salvador la Roca fan i'm Who quite was? mixed on la Roca. um some of his stuff i hate some of his stuff i actually don't mind I found myself enjoying the majority of the artwork in this volume. I think he does sort of some of the big sort of action moments and some of like the colourful settings and locales really, really well. I think he draws Vader perfectly because Vader doesn't have a face. <laughs> he, I, I don't, I mean, his like the way that he draws Vader in the frames, the way that Vader stands, the way that Vader reacts. I think. Larocca does really, really well. So I know that we spend sometimes a lot of time shitting on, you know, Larocca's art because I don't like his art in the Obi Wan Kenobi adaptation at all. But I'm actually going to come out to his defence for this one. I actually think this is probably the best bit of Star Wars artwork he's done. Um, See, Larocca is good. He's just his faces. That's the only issue because he traces faces. Yeah, yeah. Um, Everything else is great. But yeah, there's some really great artwork in this volume, I think, and I think the way that he, the way that the colours are done by whoever the colourist is, I think it might be, is it is it Delgado who does the, the colours? I'm not sure, mate. Yeah, it is. Um, Delgado is like a big marble colourist. The colours are so, like sometimes they're really bright, but then sometimes like the Imperial stuff, like have a flick for it, some of the stuff in the Imperial sense, it's just lit with like this dark blue and black mm-hmm. and the scenes are so like they read so sort of edgy and dark and you know you just look at one of these panels you know the you know being on an imperial star destroyer is not a nice place to be just from one of these panels just the way it's colored and lit so i do think that the artwork in this book deserves a bit of appreciation um yeah i actually love what they go on to do in the next volume and show tour and like some of that stuff is incredible um what about you, Chris? I mean, flicking through it, do you sort of feel the same way as me, or does it still sort of put you off, like the faces? I mean, it's I still prefer almost anyone else to be doing it, but it's good. It's not. It's not as like. It's not as like jarring as the first volume. It's definitely not as jarring as his later stuff uh, with Obi Wan Kenobi, or if you've ever seen the Aliens series. Um, it's, it's like I said, it's just his faces. Yeah, but it's. I mean, I saw someone once you say something about his art like it was a kitchen scene and if you google kitchen the first google image you search for kitchen is what he'd used he just traced over that really <laughs> yeah um but it has a style and it it works with the story like it doesn't detract from the story it's good enough you know we get to know these characters it didn't it definitely didn't detract from my enjoyment of it so it must it must be doing something and i know some people are big fans so it might just be us personally, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's definitely not as jarring as volume one or mm. I think you got to know the characters more. Yeah. Yeah. Like Afra, for example, because Afra is one of the biggest ones that you never seem to nail in the first volume. The Afra face is definitely better in volume two. It's not, 
it's not Minky Young's art, but no, it's God, no. better. Um, I mean, where this volume leaves us is sort of heading into what became Marvel's first Star Wars crossover, which was the Vader Down crossover. So as I mentioned earlier, at the end of this series, Vader discovers that Luke is on a, a planet called Rogus Vass, where there's a Jedi temple, uh, and he is heading there. Um, Aphra is also heading there with him, I believe. Um, and no, Aphra's not heading there with him, but Aphra knows where he's going. And then also the scary Mon Calamari cyborg and grievous person is also heading to Brogus Vass because he's interested in who this child, this boy who blew up the Death Star is. I mean, how do you feel? I mean, we won't, we will in a few weeks' time be talking about Vader Down as a crossover, but how, how do you feel this is working as a lead in to that first connective bit of story? Yeah. It's fine. Obviously, there's stretches and stuff because we know where it's heading, but it doesn't never feels, you know, heavy-handed. I mean, the heavy-handed thing would be to like go, okay, Afro, you've got to go with me. Why? Because I don't know. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just, so it's just so we can get them all in the same place. It doesn't do that. Yeah, because Afro comes in separately, doesn't she now? Afro comes in separately because if I remember correctly, she's sitting in the ship and she's obviously worried because of everything that happened in this volume, mm-hmm. and she goes there to basically help him get Luke Skywalker to win more to win favor with Vader. Yeah. So yeah. she joins later. So it it's more it's like again it's it's better handled. Yeah. Um but no it it leads in well. I mean that that it's good because he uses that those characters that he introduced in the previous issues, the ones that are trying to vie for Vader's position to set this up. Yeah. So if you if you didn't know there was a crossover come in you wouldn't think, oh, this is obviously going to be a crossover. This is really heavy-handed. You wouldn't know. Yeah, it's, it's handled just, well. It's all just part of this story. Yeah, yeah. And Vader down crossover. Obviously, we're going to go into it, but it's pretty. Epic. A lot of people think it's the best crossover still. It probably is. Yeah, it's really good. So that's all about dark droids, isn't it? I, I love that crossover, but then I'm like, do I just love that crossover because of the all I see is fear and dead men? Um, no, but... there's a the bit where um, <laughs> Han Solo and uh, Afro gav beef and throw bees at each other and stuff. That's a good oh, bit. Oh, yeah, the bees. Um, and then the bit where the droids are fighting. That's cool. So just to finish up, should we just talk a little bit more about Afra? Because, I mean, Afra, this comic may as well be called Darth Vader and Afra. I mean, particularly this volume is very Afra heavy. I reckon Afra probably is on more panels than Vader is at this volume. How do you oh, yeah. feel about the direction that Afra's character is going in in this? And as a massive Afra fan, how does this work? I mean, this, I say this volume here set up who Afra is more than any of the others. And like we were saying about those moments with the Padme Doctor thing, um, you learn so much about Afra in those moments, not so much about her personal history, but just who she is, what her limits are. Um, how far she'll go to for a job for a, for a situation. So I feel like, yeah, she's not as she's a bit more cool. Invader, she's still very much a, a cool character, yeah. Rather than the sort of ridiculous, chaotic mess, chaotic mess that she becomes. <laughs> um. So yeah, the cards are being played a little bit closer to the chest here, mm-hmm. but you can definitely see this is where she starts to open up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She seems more like a normal person in this, and she she brings us into 
sort of the seedier side of the galaxy in this comic, which I think is really good fun. You know, seeing this sort of weird casino planet with this information broker, seeing her get a team of bounty hunters together like Bosk um, and Black Chrysanthemum. I think seeing that seedier side of the galaxy, Afra becomes a bit of a tour guide through that in this series. Yeah. Um, whilst Vader is very much just dealing with the Empire and rebels. I mean, he goes on a big rebel slaughter in this in this comic as well. So I think that this is a continuing good development of Afra, but she acts as a good vessel, sort of take us through the galaxy in an interesting way. I will shout out probably my favourite little Afra moment in this, which is there's a scene where Vader and the Empire are chasing after Afra because they figure out she's the thief um, from the big heist. And they're chasing her and chasing her, and then Vader sort of turns them around to go after a rebel cell instead, because like rebels are more important than a single thief. And Aphra sees them going away, and she has a little moment where she just sits there, lets out a really deep breath, and then she's like, I'm going to live. And then Triple Zero just replies, for now, Dr. Aphra. <laughs> Which is just like the most perfect Aphra Triple Zero moment. Because it yeah, just... Triple Zero scares the shit out of me. <laughs> well, because it's like, it's the inevitable thing about working with Darth Vader is she's never safe and she knows that. And anytime she tries to convince herself that she's safe, she is kidding herself because she's not. But Which is why she won't accept how safe she is with Santa in the new ones. But we'll get onto that another time. <laughs> we'll do that in comics roundup. Brilliant. I think that about wraps it up. So yeah, man. Your, I mean, so you, I think you probably like this volume a little bit more than me, but I still really like it as well. What's your sort of overall thoughts? Would you recommend? Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, it's good. Four out of five. Nice. You know, it's it's not top, top tier Vader, but it's damn good. It's necessary um, if you want to read any more of this series. It leads into Vader Down, which is wonderful. It's a good Vader story, which we haven't had in about three, four years in comics. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, it's, it's great. Yeah, no, definitely, I like this one as well. Um, I think it's necessary uh, for Afro as well. Yeah. I think personal taste, I think the other volumes do a little bit more for me. Um, but we'll, we'll be talking about volume three and four later on. But those two are sort of my personal highlights in this series. But I think this one's really good six pretty sort of action-packed issues that do a lot of heavy lifting for this series as a whole good character development for vader important canon sort of law points in terms yeah. of how the good fan service works. for the prequel fans as good, well yeah actually good positive fan service yeah it's a good volume i mean we've been talking about how good kieran gillen's vader is for the entire time that we've been on this podcast, um, it's it's not as good as Charles Soule, but that's because Charles Soule wrote but a it's masterpiece. Than Pat. <laughs> Charles Soule wrote a masterpiece, and Kieran Gillen wrote a really, really damn good Vader series, and this is another good entry in it. So yeah, yeah. that that wraps it up. Chris, in case people don't know where to find you, why don't you Instagram tell them? Instagram in it. Instagram. S- that's uh, SW Book Collector. If you didn't know, yeah. Uh, and I'm Vader's Castle Library, also Instagram in it. Um, next week, me and Chris will be back. We'll be talking about the Lando miniseries by Charles Soule and the Alex goat. Believe, which I'm I haven't actually reread in a long time. Possibly so, the greatest Star Wars miniseries ever. So I'm very excited to dive into it and reread it. It just arrived in the post. We're going to be 
not I'm not going to be on hosting duty for that one. Our good friend Johnny is going to be hosting that episode, and we're also going to be joined by Nick, who has featured in a couple of episodes before. Am I doing this episode? You are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nick from Nick and Mello's Hyperspace is going to be joining us as well. Um, so that is going to be a bumper episode, four of us on that one chatting about Lando. And then the week after, Star Wars Volume 2, we've got Chewbacca oh, miniseries that yeah. I think me and Chris are going to set out of. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Uh, the C3PO one shot that will take us five minutes to talk about, and lots good in it. Yeah, <laughs> and I've just had confirmation on the Lando episode. We've got another guest, Billy D. Williams, will be joining us <laughs> to talk about Lando. <laughs> Actually, I've just I've just got a phone. Donald Glover is also going to oh, be joining us. Donald Glover. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, and I've got another thing. Danny Glover is going to be joining us as well. <laughs> I'm too old for this shit, Riggs. <laughs> Oh, anyway, uh, and the actor who's playing Lobot will also be joining us. Oh, um, Stephen Mulhern. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, I think we should stop talking. Yeah, now, let's Chris. just stop. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>